2: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sandigroom Only Podcast. Yes, I am Ben Standig and I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. Um, talking to you guys on Thursday night, the Washington football team wraps up the preseason on Saturday at home against the Ravens. They effectively wrapped up training camp today in the sense that today was the last day that the media gets to watch anything. From now on, we're basically like... Kay Corleone at the end of Godfather where the door is getting... You know something's going on, but the door is getting shut. That's us here in the media now. Um, I'll talk a little bit about the Ravens game, but the bulk of the episode today had a fun guest this week. John Hanson, uh, at fantasy underscore guru on Twitter. Uh, John is a legend in the fantasy game. Um, he... Uh, I, I was reading him when I was back in the day, pre-internet. Um, he... Uh, Great, uh, great source, great thinker. He's the majority owner of the website Fantasy Points. He's uh, the morning host on Sirius XM Fantasy. Anyway, he kindly spoke with me this week. Uh, we talked a lot in depth. He is a big Antonio Gibson fan. We talked a lot about. Um, we, we talked about Washington. We talked about uh, some sleepers players to, to he likes players to avoid. Things to help you get ready for fantasy football. Obviously, I know a lot of you will be having drafts starting this weekend, next weekend. So this is a bit of an evergreen episode. If you don't get it to don't get to it right away, with the John Hansen part, you'll be fine. Whatever I say, yes, I guess the game will have happened by then. But that, that'll be fine. Come back. Bookmark this one for John Hansen. Worth your time. Um So we'll get to all that here in just a moment on the Standard Groom Only Podcast. Of course, just a reminder, you can always subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere else you do your podcasting. I'm just going to push one more time this week. If you have a moment to drop a rating and a review on iTunes, I promise you it helps. It takes 30 seconds or so. Um, Say nice things. But other than that, I really appreciate that. Also, over on The Athletic, my day job, I have a new story up um kind of a little bit of a regurgitation of what I talked about here the other day about how I'm kind of narrowing the bubble the for the roster uh we looked at that what uh who are the players that are really on the bubble how many spots are we really looking at and so on so you can check that out on the athletic and both parts of my NFL agent survey are up as well uh got a good response I appreciate everybody on that um the part two had had thoughts from the agents on what they thought of the NFL investigation into Washington's culture. Uh, thoughts on, Jer- on how Jerry Jones, ha- how the Cowboys um, are effectively are doing since it's been 25 years uh, since they last uh, won a Super Bowl. So a lot of thoughts on Jerry Jones, John Gruden, Urban Meyer, Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, uh, the, the GMs, uh, questions about who are the best GMs, most trustworthy, least trustworthy. So a lot of good stuff there. Hopefully you guys can have a moment to check that out. Uh, before we get to John Hansen, just a couple quick thoughts in regards to Washington. So obviously going into this preseason game against the Ravens, um, <laughs> there is the, the bizarre subplot of the Ravens have won 19 preseason games in a row. Um, I don't think that will have any bearing on anything, but I guess it could be a fun little little thing at the end of the game. We'll see how that Goes As far as Washington, in terms of who's going to play and for how long, I wish I could give you some definitive answers. Ron Rivera has denied that. He has been uh, avoiding um, telling us too much. I honestly don't quite understand it. It's a preseason game. The the results don't matter. The opponent doesn't care. I mean, you know, like whether you're going to say Ryan Fitzpatrick will play a, a, a quarter, a half, not at all. You know, whatever. I do think there's something to be said for Keeping the players on their toes so they know what, so they don't necessarily know how long they're going to play. I do understand that to a degree, but at the same point, it's a little wild. In any event, one thing I did note though was that Rivera, he did hint this week that players on the bubble could see more action, that they were given more responsibility and practice this week, and that is true. Um, I, I will say that this was probably the least interesting week of training camp so far, and that was largely because. There were a lot of there was a lot of backups. Um, Kyle Allen and Steven Montez, as an example, we getting it felt like we're getting as much or more work this uh, the last few days than Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke. Um, there was a lot of backups going up against starters, things along those lines. and I mean, like deep backups going up against starters and things along those lines. So we'll see. Maybe it won't be a ton of work for the starters. There is always the injury concern. I totally get it. Um, you know, I think some players obviously need the fine tuning others, you know, not so much um or at least you know in theory not 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 so much um still no update on Curtis Samuel he's still been on the side uh Ron Rivera did say I think since I spoke to you guys last that for Curtis Samuel and William Jackson he hoped to get them back on the field sometime next week so uh, obviously they're not going to play this week uh, against the Ravens um the Curtis Samuel thing is wild. We're gonna to have to look into this a bit more here and talk more about this, um, if things don't change dramatically. I I I had heard at various points that he should, he's good to go, but it's still he's still out and the season is not that far away. Um I did ask Scott Turner today if if Curtis Samuel is such a unique talent, don't you need to get him on the field? And, you know, like Rivera, he continued to say we as the coaching staff know him from our days in Carolina. It won't be a big deal. Okay we will see about that. Um a couple quick things I want to keep an eye on for this game. Obviously, again, whether they win this game by 20 or lose by 20, it doesn't mean that much as far as the regular season uh, goes. However, it would be nice to see the offense execute a bit better. Um they have yet to score a touchdown, three points in six possessions. They, you know, they did move the ball into the red zone or into the Bengals territory last week and we know that Dustin Hopkins missed a field goal in the first game when they moved into the territory. Nonetheless, get into the end zone. That wouldn't be a bad way to go for however long Fitzpatrick and company are out on the field. Um, and you know, the d- defensively, you know, same thing, I, you know, it's, it, the Ravens are a good team. I, I honestly, at this point, don't exactly know who they will be playing or not. Um, I haven't had a chance to talk to my guy, Jeff's Reback, our Ravens writer. Who's one of the best NFL beat writers around. Um, I'll, I'll catch up with him at the game, but, um, So I'm not positive where the Ravens are at, but regardless, they're obviously generally a pretty good sound fundamental team. This will be a good test for both sides of the ball without question. Some other specifics I'll be looking at. I'm kind of curious about Kyle Allen, to be honest. This will be his second preseason game back. You know, Ron Rivera has still yet to announce the starter. Let me Actually, I'll come back to that in a second, but we know it's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. The backup, I mean, look, it's going to be Taylor Heineke, but I do think that Kyle Allen was gaining on Heineke before he re-injured his ankle on the last day in Richmond. And I'll I'll just say that when I watch Kyle Allen play, I'm not suggesting he's a starting NFL quarterback that you want week in, week out. But when I watch him play, it just feels like things are more consistent to some degree than with the other guys. We know the Ryan Fitzpatrick story, that he is kind of all over the place, the Fitzmagic, the roller coaster that comes with that. Um, you know, look, he makes some great throws, and he makes some throws that make your head scratch. Just just based on even practice, let alone his whole career. Um, and Taylor Heineke, you know, kind of the same thing in a different way. He's got the mobile threat, um, so he's always a, uh, he's always got the potential to, to do some things in that regard. But regardless, you know, it, it's play and play out. And I don't always you don't always quite know what you're going to get with him. So I'm curious if Kyle Allen in this game can possibly start to close the gap on Heineke if that's conceivable. We'll see. I'm just interested. To see that. Um, What else? The short yardage running on offense. I, you know, as I keep playing with my 53, I'm reluctant to keep four running backs. It's not what I want to do. However, it's not a knock on Peyton Barber. I'm just, it's not what I want to do from a overall roster composition, but until Antonio Gibson shows he can handle short yardage running, I think Bar- Barber's going to have a place Um, you know, plus obviously he can catch some passes, play special teams and so on. So I think if, if Washington gets in these circumstances, let's see what happens. If they get into a third and one, fourth and one, and Gibson gets the opportunity, I think it shows that they want Gibson to, to have that so they can move on. And if he can, great. If he can't, or Barber is the one getting those carries, then I think you can feel safer about Peyton Barber on the 53, which is what I have right now. But he's like one of the, like one or two guys at the very end. Of that situation, um, how about Jamin Davis? Obviously, it's been a, somewhat of a quiet start for the first-round pick. He's t- we, we, we've talked a lot about with him with with Rivera. Jack Del Rio spoke this week how to get Jamon Davis going, how to get him run get running downhill, as they say. They you know they they, they remain confident. The coaching staff they, they they talk about just getting him more reps. I think there's something to that. You know he didn't you know have the he had a really good career last year, but he didn't have a really good year last year, but didn't have like a a, a multi-year career at Kentucky where he was necessarily uh, a big star. And, you know, I can imagine it's a big adjustment, you know, for anybody. So we'll see what happens. I do think though, it it does make me wonder kind of where things are at linebacker for this year. I can see Cole Holcomb and John Bostic being out there a lot as they were last year. Um, I I will also note that it's been mentioned that that Washington, um, it's been mentioned here, I wrote about it as well, that Washington used more five defensive linemen set than any team in um, the league last year. But it was only like 58 plays, so less than four snaps a game. But they've continued to experiment with that with that all camp, with all their alignment healthy, meaning, meaning Matt Ioannidis is the fifth. That's obviously from a talent perspective pretty interesting. I don't think you can run that a ton because, you know, um, you know, how does that work? But on the other hand, I don't know, right? I mean, if if I tell you, would you rather have Chase Young and Montez Sweat on the outside, maybe with one of them having a little less responsibility in terms of going after the quarterback and more just sort of reading and reacting and with Matt just helping push up the middle and going with one linebacker, going with Cole Holcomb with the five defensive backs? I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting thought in part because I just think John Bostic on the field too much, was was on the field too much last year and Jamie Davis may not be ready right now. So, uh, for, for heavy work. So, we'll see about that. Um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, by the way, William Jackson has also, along with Samuel, as I said, has been out. So, I think Benjamin St. Juice is going to get some good work um, this week and I think he's going to be out there a lot during the year. I think the The St. Juiced with Jackson on the outside, Fuller in the slot with two of the safeties, I think is going to be their predominant defensive backfield look. We'll see how that goes. Lastly, speaking of the defensive backfields, I have Torrey McTire on as my fifth defensive back, my fifth cornerback, I should say. I guess here's where I'm at. I I wonder... I wouldn't wouldn't say that Jimmy Moreland is in any kind of trouble, but I would put, like... uh, in the article I have on the Athletic, I, I came up with like a subcategory of players who I think are good, but maybe not. I don't know. Jimmy Morland, I do wonder about a little bit. Uh, some of us were talking about that at practice, and I do, I do concur in part because if Fuller is going to be in the slot more, and you already have Cam Curl as that Buffalo nickel, which is essentially a you know um, a slot type role. And you've said Kalique Hudson can do that. Like, where where does Jimmy Moreland fit if he's going to be that nickel slot corner as well? Um, I wouldn't say that it would be released. I'm just talking like it would be more of a trade. I'm also not saying it's happening. I'm just saying I'm curious how that goes because Tory McTire has looked pretty good, right? They've been using him with William Jackson out. It feels like McTyre when they're going three corners is being is being used on the outside. Um in that spot along with St. and fuller in the slot. Then you have the three reserves battling for maybe one spot, if that, um, and that would be Troy Apke, Danny Johnson and Daryl Roberts. I'm putting Daryl Roberts at the bottom of that group. He's been just a guy to me in camp. No disrespect, but I, I wasn't impressed with that signing when they brought him in. He just feels like he's had most of de- depth play. And I think that Apke and Danny Johnson give you more, particularly on special teams. I think, um, Danny Johnson, I think, is being a bit overlooked probably by all of us. He is a great culture guy. He's got speed. He's tougher than he looks. He, like Apke, is a, has been used as a gunner in uh, in, in in camp. I, I think Danny Johnson has a real shot to stick. The problem is, again, how do you keep everybody else? And there's also Troy Apke, who Ron Rivera this week called an ace on special teams, said it was hard to find guys like that. I, don't think, I think if Apke gets released, he doesn't make it back to the practice squad. I think Danny Johnson might. But I've been told, uh, you know, I know at least of, uh, some team uh, some team out there has shown some interest in him, um, from what I was told. And, or at least, at, I guess I should say at a minimum, Washington's cornerback depth. But, you know, he is one that seems like potential to be on the outs. Um, the, it, as I'm playing around with my 53, this is where I'm, the sixth cornerback is where I want to add somebody else. Because between Apke and Danny Johnson... I'd like to find space to keep one of them. And if you, if somehow Jimmy Morwin were to be gone, which again, I'm not saying there'd nobody no space for two. I feel like McTire is going to get in, but we'll see how this game goes. You never know for sure. All right. So those are some things to keep an eye on. Hopefully you guys, if you if anybody's going to the game, hope you have a good time. Um, it has been hot all week, so hopefully it's not so bad, but if it, if it is stay warm, stay hydrated. Um, all that um all right let's get now to some fantasy football talk i really really had a fun conversation with john hansen like i said we got into antonio gibson fitzpatrick quarterback sleepers all that kind of good stuff we will get to it here in just a moment on the standing room only podcast right after this
0: looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
2: All right, excited to welcome on our next guest. He is the morning host on uh, Sirius XM Fantasy, the majority owner of FantasyPoints.com, and a guy who helped me very, very early on in my fantasy career through his uh his former site he's on twitter at fantasy underscore guru he is the fantasy guru john hansen john thank you so much for your, for your time and uh legitimately this it is it is wild if, if i could tell the 20 something version of myself that i was talking to you <laughs> all these years later uh I, I would not know what to think because i definitely re- read your uh re- read your work uh, all the time back in the day when i was getting ready for a fantasy season
1: yeah ben it's great to be here with you and absolutely i i realized this um somewhat recently i i, I always knew the name i'm like I, I know this guy from somewhere but i actually think we we may have been in some sort of some sort of league in like the late 90s on that that worked off like the usenet news groups i mean this is how old we are here i mean we're going way back uh, archaic internet stuff but hey it, it's um it's a definitely a small world, and I guess football enthusiasts, whether they're fantasy or real, if they're in the business, so to speak, for multiple decades, I mean, paths are going to be crossed, I guess, right?
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we're going to talk about Washington, what you think of some of those guys, and some broader fantasy topics in general, but since we just brought up sort of the, the history of this, I, I'm just sort of curious, like, you know, you've gone on to do a lot of things, but like back in the day was you know you know the internet the internet was just sort of getting going yeah um you you know it was very different than the world is now if you take a step back and look at how the fantasy world is 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 evolved also to the point of just being the acceptance of it it's not it's no longer the nerd sitting at the sitting at the kids sitting at the nerds table doing this thing it is now incredibly popular everybody does it it's very mainstream can you like sort of sit back and just see wow like how things have changed over yeah time? it's kind of it's kind of like watching your kids grow though you know like you almost
1: don't really notice it that much right, as they right. get older and then people who you see every five seven years are like oh my god but yeah no, no question about it I, I tell people all the time it's like i did start a fantasy football advisory newsletter and website in 1995 because i absolutely saw this coming. But I'm still completely blown away by where we are now and where we've been going the last 10 years or so. So it's one of those things where, yeah, I kind of called it, but man, I didn't know it was going to be this big. Uh, Maybe I did deep down. I don't know. But I, I absolutely had this very, very strong feeling. And like, people thought I was almost going a little cuckoo for cocoa puffs, you know, there, I was getting a little like people are like, Are you okay? Are you on something? Because you're a little too, uh, you know, enthusiastic about this whole fantasy football project. And uh, yeah, well, you know, slow going, there, there were some years where it wasn't that huge, you know, like the early 2000s, it kind of leveled off a little bit. But then as you mentioned, the embrace the embracement, if you will, of fantasy by the league was was absolutely huge. I never thought in the 80s and early 90s or even late 90s that I'd hear uh, play-by-play announcers talking fantasy during the broadcast. So um, the acceptance has been awesome. And, yeah, I love the fact that people don't just assume when they hear me talk that I'm some nerd in my parents' basement.
2: (laughs) Right. I mean, and I guess on some level, right, I mean, gambling is now becoming – very mainstream it's discussed all the time teams are having uh negotiating you know they're getting their stadiums named after yep. uh yep. you know caesars or whatever it is yep. and that is a very new thing we couldn't you know you couldn't even uh, couldn't even have a team in Las Vegas let uh, you, you know let alone discuss gambling because they wanted to keep it so distant and I always think on some level did was fantasy sort of the way to say okay we're, we're, there's other things existing we can't really we talk about it but we can talk about fantasy because we can't talk about this other thing. So this was a way to recognize there's extracurricular stuff going on without mentioning the part that's maybe was deemed a little uh, shady by by some people.
1: Absolutely, and ironically enough, I actually had a a full-time job when I started the website. And the reason I thought about the website was that job was in publishing. And I'm from New Jersey. I grew up in Southern New Jersey, uh, right outside of Atlantic City. And I work for a gaming magazine company that published consumer and trade-based magazines. I actually wrote about internet gambling in the mid to late 90s. And it was so wild to see the fantasy and the internet gambling intersect. There, There was a time when there was a senator from Arizona named John Kyle who was trying to ban internet gambling. And he wanted to piggyback fantasy into that so there, there was a period in like 1998 1999 i was actually worried that they would ban fantasy sports but i i wrote columns about how it was a game of skill and things like that others contributed and they eventually carved it out but those next 10 12 years really paved the way in terms of the acceptance of let's say extracurricular activity uh, around sports and the NFL and you're right it, it totally did clear the way and it, it's a constantly changing industry no one truly knows where it's going exactly we have an idea and that's why you mentioned fantasy points the website that i launched after owning another one for 25 years i sold that uh, did a little non-compete and i'm like all right let's do it again we do da- gambling we do dfs we do fantasy we do best ball season-long don't exactly know where it's going, but it's going to be in that ballpark. So we'll be covering it no matter what.
2: <laughs> and uh, if I'm right, and hopefully I'm right, you had uh, make Greg Cosell and uh, Adam Kaplan, or two of your guys. Greg Cosell's been on this podcast a couple of times. Adam Kaplan may be coming up here before the season starts. So you've got you got you know you know you've got guys who clearly know the game and have been around um, a, a, totally. a lot as well to uh, to talk about everything that's going on. Um, yeah. So, so, all right. So, so help me out here. So we're going to talk about the football team in a second. I, uh, I used to be, uh, obsessed by fantasy football. Uh, the, uh, this was my actual entree into this world. I started working for a fantasy football site and that kind of led to me uh, helping me to tie decide to sort of get moving in trying to do this uh move more to the journalism side or what have you yeah yeah um but I will freely admit I don't know anything that is happening right now I, I I think like the it's my friends think I have an unfair advantage in our leagues because I cover an NFL team and I'm like look I don't think you understand I'm so in the weeds by what's happening there that I don't have time or impatience to pay attention to exactly what's happening yeah I'm aware Aaron Rodgers was holding out and or you know w- there was a there was a drama there and that like you know, we're curious, like if Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and how much they're going to play, but like when we look at, you know, who, who's definitively the starting receiver for this team or that team, or in terms of fantasy rankings, you know, where, where's the cutoff between this tier and that tier, who should be the best player or whatever. I'm way behind on any of that. So I, I want to start with this. What, yeah. what right now there's always fun fantasy debates could be all kinds of things. Who should be the first pick? this guy over that guy should this, you know, do you like this player, whatever it is, what's your favorite fantasy debate that's been kind of playing out this year?
1: I think number one is why do people, why are they insisting on taking Austin Eckler in the first round? I get it. Austin Eckler is a, is an absolute baller and we all are PPR leagues for the most part, not, not every league, but obviously if you're in a non PPR league standard league, where you don't get a point per catch, that's a game changer, but most of us are, are in that PPR format or at least a half a point. And we understand he's great, but wow. New coaching staff, new, new system. Granted, they did upgrade the offensive line. Herbert obviously looks like the real deal, a pretty nice receiving core. It's it's a good environment overall, but he's a smaller back. He's never had, I believe more than 130 carries. They don't use him on top of the goal. You can't project him to score more than three or four rushing touchdowns. Certainly if he plays 16, 17 games, He'll probably catch 75, 80 balls, and he'll be very good. But I just can't wrap my head around why people are so enamored with him when you have high-volume guys going off the board who are guaranteed to get the ball in the running and passing game being drafted uh, below Eckler. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, Aaron Jones. I love Mr. Gibson. We'll get into that, I'm sure. Najee Harris. You know, plenty of options here. I get it, but I think – he should be going off the board like between 15 and 20 overall, but yet here it is. ADP is like, he's like a top eight pick.
2: Interesting. Okay. Well, good, 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 good there. Austin Eckler, depending where I'm picking uh, now automatically, I'm not going to be as interested um, in him. You you mentioned, interesting. you mentioned him, the the Washington opens the season against the chargers. um, And you mentioned Justin Herbert. So obviously they've said they're not going to play Justin Herbert. and, And I don't think Eckler either. And a couple other guys, um, during the preseason so we won't get any real look at them there but sort of as a way to combine the preseason uh, to preview the first game but also what the Chargers are going to do what do you make of that team they they did hire a new coach like you said Brandon Staley comes from the defensive side um, so w- what's your sense of that offense and, and Justin Herbert going into obviously had a great rookie year but what's your sense of, of what what that offense is going to look like
1: well, it sure looks good on paper, Ben, because, uh, you know, as I said, they, they upgraded the offensive line. They brought in Corey Lindsey from the Green Bay Packers. It's been a problem up front for forever, for like a decade. Rashawn Slater was a little bit of a gift for them falling in the, in the first round. They've, they had a Balaga the year before uh, over from Green Bay. So the old line should be taken care of. Uh, we don't have a real good early down back. Uh, other than Eckler. Obviously, he's more of a scat back, third down back and all that. So there's a little bit of a position battle there. Nice receiving core. Mike Williams is already banged up. That's kind of what he does. But you have uh, Keenan Allen, real nice player. I like Josh Palmer out of Tennessee. Very good prospect. Should be a starter pretty soon. He's already moved up the depth chart. Didn't put up big numbers, but uh, bad bad offense, bad bad quarterback play there. And a co- couple of other guys, Jalen Guyton, uh, Tyron Johnson. But, you know, I always say, when you analyze these players and I, I could do it all day. I love it. It's not just the player. It's, it's the cost basically. And his ADP is pretty high. He is going off the board right now, right when Aaron Rodgers is going off the board. And again, I understood, I understand he balled out. It was like really the best season ever by a rookie quarterback, but we have seen a little bit of a sophomore slump there where there's a little bit of tape defenses are, you know, a little well, better equipped. And again, Joe Lombardi, his first stint as an OC did not go well at all in Detroit. Then he went to New Orleans and learned under Sean Payton for about a half a decade. So maybe he's improved and all that. But add it all up, I would be fine with Herbert if he didn't cost so much. Like for example, Ryan Tannehill, who by the way, since 2019 is second in the NFL in fantasy points per dropback at quarterback behind Lamar Jackson, which is obviously a lead company. He's going 20 picks, 30 picks. After Herbert. So that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I'll give you the snapshot of quarterback real quick. Sure. Don't pay up for the top guys. Mahomes and Allen, uh, way too expensive going off the board, second, third round in most leagues. I'm not even that sure. I love at this point Lamar, Kyler, and Dak, although they're not a bad fallback option, fifth, sixth round. If you're stuck and maybe don't love the running backs, all the good ones are taken already. Tot- not totally against Russell Wilson, but I always say I believe your best chance to form the best starting lineup when you when you draft is to to wait a little bit on the quarterback spot. There, Jalen Hurts and Philly, the vibes are pretty darn good. I really like Baker Mayfield this year. I know they're a run based offense, but first time in the NFL now, he's got continuity. You know, it's the uh, same system, same coach, great old line, plenty of weapons, work off the run, play action. I, I think he's ready to show us the best he has to offer. What I like is is as a play is get Baker, actually get Trey Lance or Justin Fields first because they're going off the board before Baker. Uh, I do prefer Fields because I think he's got a better chance to start uh, early and then get that veteran guy, that stable guy that you could use until these guys are ready to go. And, you know, if Baker is not there, uh, Kirk Cousins is, is a solid one. His ADP is actually going downward. It's like 140 overall. And uh, how about Ryan Fitzpatrick? That, that is a really good guy to kind of hold down the fort for you there in DC.
2: Yeah. I mean, my, my, because as I said, the last few years, I've just not been as focused because of this job I have. Uh, and I'm, I'm just winging it to a degree. I'll read some, I'll, I'll do some homework in advance, but I have one rule with the quarterbacks and that is I'm not drafting anybody high. I'm waiting it out because all these guys, put up uh big numbers I've had this theory actually for years going back to when Cade McNown had the the big opening game for the Bears they threw like a bunch of touchdown passes it was the only game he ever had any success in I yeah. went with that theory that year started in that game dumped him after that. I think I had Tim Couch also that year and oh. it, the, the point is though that like you can you know if you, you can if you wait you can manipulate this you can sort of get a few guys manipulate the system now that's the extreme i wouldn't advise that unless you're a seasoned professional which at that point i maybe was uh but yeah the point is you can wait on quarterbacks and yeah a guy like fitzpatrick you know look i don't know what he's going to do for washington from a wins and losses perspective this year but in terms of putting up numbers he's gonna wing the ball they're gonna be aggressive they've got weapons and if you can get him i don't know exactly where he is on your board but if he's you know past 15 20 whatever somewhere in that range yeah sure i mean that's you know, you can, that, that, that kind of guy is gonna, is gonna work for you. Uh, What is your sense of, I guess, of Washington's offense in terms of, is it a desirable one for fantasy owners? They had a bunch of guys last year who actually had some individually good years, yet the offense Mm -hmm. overall was terrible. So how do you kind of view Washington's uh, playmakers?
1: Yeah, I I think it's, I think it's pretty good. Um, O-line we'll we'll see about, you know, the um, left side, I guess, Charles Leno uh would, would probably be your your issue there and and I guess is uh is Cosme like I'll ask you is Cosme going to open the season as a starter or is he gonna be a backup? Because I, I I did like him. He's a very uh he's kind of a plug-and-play guy. It's not a great line, but I just don't think it's prohibitive. Is Cosme going to play a lot early?
2: Yeah I, I think when they when they when they started and they and they uh, released Morgan Moses and brought in Leno. The thought was he was going to compete with Cornelius Lucas at right tackle, but Lucas was on the um, COVID reserve list at, right at the start of camp. They threw Cosme in and after a few you know, slow, let's just say a slow start clip against Chase Young and Montez Sweat in practice. He's looked pretty solid and I don't think there's any debate now. He's the starter. Um, so you you know, obviously we'll see what happens, you know, tough bat, tough matchup off the bat with the Chargers and Bosa and things like that. But yeah, I mean, he looks like he's the guy. He had a pretty good, he had a pretty good preseason opener. So, um, you know, you never know for sure how a rookie offensive lineman is going to do, especially one that wasn't picked, you know, top 10, 15, but yeah, he he's going to be the starter for sure.
1: Yeah, I think we're looking good here, really, for for the football team overall. I mean, we're we're not expecting a big offensive bonanza, but I I think it'll be solid. You know, the defense is obviously going to be great, so that's a little weird for Fitzmagic. You know, we're used to seeing him slinging it all over the place in the fourth quarter. We may not see that this year, but I think when they do throw it, and obviously he's been in every damn system in the NFL, so that won't be a problem. Uh, Scott Turner there and some continuity. Scott bringing in uh, Curtis Samuel. Well, ironically, I'm, I'm I'm curious because they actually didn't do a great job using Samuel in 2019. Uh, Scott and uh, Norv uh, back then for the Panthers. And ironically, uh, Joe Brady did a great job last year, but I'm sure they've learned some things about how to better utilize Samuel. So McLaurin is a one, obviously an unbelievable player, right out of the gate. Got a little Curtis Samuel there. And then Let's sprinkle in a little Diami Brown, the rookie. I know they, they really like him as a, as a vertical threat here, and they're looking at that as something they want to add to this offense. Obviously, Logan Thomas was something of a revelation last year. I know he's a little limited, I guess, a little straight linish, but, man, how do you stop that guy once he starts rolling? He's so huge and imposing out there, and Fitz will sling it. And, of course, my favorite pick, in, at any position this year is actually Antonio Gibson. I'm all in on Gibson. Uh, I was saying Christian McCaffrey like potential uh, before Kyle Allen broke the internet and said that uh, a couple of days ago. The real big question with him, obviously, and we saw in the opener, uh, he was getting the ball, obviously, but then the third down snaps were down because, you know, McKissick's really good. But I'll throw it back to you. I just feel like they want antonio gibson to chip away at that role to where he catches 45 50 balls and if he does i don't i don't see how he fails if he's healthy
2: yeah i I, before we started with like otas and minicamp and all that stuff i was saying when i would go on shows uh, like like yours if somebody would ask i would say yeah antonio gibson to me is poised for a monster season. I and mean, we had over a thousand yards of uh, combined from scrimmage last year and 11 touchdowns. He, he didn't even really know what he was doing at running no. back early in the season. He was, you know, he's converted receiver only ran the ball 30 something times at Memphis, his last year there. And you yep. can see early on last year, he's, you know, struggled finding holes, things like that, but he kept progressing. He's got great speed, uh, you know, sub four, four forty he's a, he's a big guy can run over you, break tackles, all that type of stuff. And he's just super elusive, um, but he did have a toe injury late in the year. And, you know, it's been a little, you know, he, he's saying he's fine. The coaching staff is saying he's fine. So I'm, who am I to say not, but you know, the way they've used him at camp a little bit, it feels like they've been a little cautious with him to a degree. Um, he has, they have run him hard at times, but um, you know, so I'm a little wondering kind of where he's at with his yeah. workload. And then you mentioned McKissick who, obviously you had a really big year last year. His, his, his uh, number of targets should drop because you're, you have a guy like Fitzpatrick who's going to throw the ball up the field, not like Alex Smith and Haskins who were willing to just sort of go underneath a lot. Um, but he exists. And then you mentioned Curtis Samuel. I'm with you. It's, it's one of the fascinating aspects of this offense. How are they going to use him? And that yeah. he's not played, he's not practiced one time uh, since early in OTAs because wow. of the supposed groin injury that yeah. I don't know. It sounds like he's okay, but he's still out. I, I would like to see him on the field. I don't know if we're going to get that maybe more than a couple snaps in the third preseason game, but yeah. where they use him, not only impacts how we view Samuel, but all the other pieces around him. Um, so it's really from a fantasy perspective, kind of annoying that we're not going to get any, it doesn't look like we're going to get any real sense. So we're just going to have wow. to guess as to how they're going to use him.
1: Yeah, then I guess the other concern, how much will he take away from Logan Thomas, because they didn't have that that player there last year, I still do like Logan Thomas, but I think that's a that's a fair and legitimate point. And uh, certainly worth noting on, on Gibson. um, Hopefully everything, you know, there's no concern raised um, going for the next two, three weeks, but I have him. In 16 games, I project the number of games. I'm, I am going 16. That, that, that would be him missing one game. Uh, maybe I should bump it down to like 15 and a half, but this is not unrealistic at all. You, you tell me. I've got him at 280 total touches in 16 games. You know, I don't think that is really, you know, too much to ask for a guy like Antonio Gibson. And uh, that's only 17.5 touches per game. That feels very fair.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's totally fair. I mean, other than the fact that they have added more weapons than they had a year ago uh, and you have to wonder, you know, how do they get everybody involved to some degree? I, I, he, he has a lot of three he's got the three down capability uh, he can catch passes. I mean, it doesn't even feel like he did a lot of that last year in the passing game. And yet he caught over 30 balls. Um, and yeah, I, I think there's, you know, he has the potential for a monster year. So, you, you, so obviously you're a big fan. Where, where do you have him in fantasy and like, you know, whether you're talking an auction or a draft, like how would you sort of, where, where do you kind of look to get him, take him off the board? Well,
1: first of all, I'm, I'm pretty aggressive. So I, I actually did a high stakes draft and took him at seven overall. So uh, that would be aggressive. His ADP is the 11th running back off the board. And that, by the way, is on, on the rise. He was 15th just about six weeks ago, but people like me and you are, I guess, especially me pumping him up a little bit too much, getting people excited. And here he goes. So I got him at RB eight, which is pretty darn high. Still, um, I do have him right there. Actually, I think overall, I think I have him at thirteen overall. But you know, it's it's a tough call. If you if you're really aggressive, you can get them. You can take them. I'd sign off on it, assuming everything is is good with the toe. You know, we don't get any more bad news or setbacks from now until you know your draft. I'm okay with going very aggressive and taking him at seven overall. But ideally, if you're drafting at the end of round one, he's a guy you should target because I think you could open a draft with like Tyree kill, like nine or 10 overall, or Devante Adams maybe, and then come back with Gibson. Wow. That would be incredible. I, I would absolutely love life. But I, again, I'm willing to take him at seven. And ironically enough, uh, back in 2018, I think everyone knew McCaffrey was good, was good. And I was like, wow, this guy is going to be, he's like the pick, but his ADP I think is like 16. So in my number one league that I wanted to win 14 teams, I had the seventh pick and I'm like, ah, it's just too early to take him." It's a little bit of a reach. I'm like, let me just take a B Antonio Brown. And then the rest is history. McCaffrey had that dream season. So I'm seeing some similarities with uh, McCaffrey. I don't think it's going to be that amazing with Gibson, but maybe close. So I am, you got to get your guys. If you're, especially in an aggressive league, if you're sold on Gibson and you you're worried, very, very unsure that he'll be there for you in the second, just go get him.
2: Yeah, I, I do. I, I kind of agree with you. I think sometimes when I look back on mistakes I've made, it's because I was just following, I was too either chicken to make the move or I was just following conventional thinking. And ultimately you don't win these things with conventional uh, thinking. Cause that's why everybody's, you know, that, that, that's why, that's just how it works um let me ask you so one thing that i always try to do especially when i was really focused on this was it wasn't just like i would look at an order that my main league is a draft i keep viewing in draft terms i try we've tried to get i've tried to go back to an auction but we're not there anyway uh i i always try to view not necessarily just in terms of where how i rank somebody players one to a hundred or whatever but where are the tiers because ultimately that's a huge deal. May, you know, you might think, hey, Travis Kelsey isn't really one of the, I'm just making this up, one of the best 20 guys. But the if I don't get one of the top two or three tight ends, the the, the gap between those guys and everybody else is a disaster. At least in some years that's been the case. And maybe it's a yeah. case at quarterback or running back, or whatever. What what for you is the most like interesting if you view the world in tiers at all, the most interesting sort of tier situation where, hey, you maybe want to jump ahead and take somebody here. And if you don't, you may want to wait because there's not a lot uh, after that.
1: Yeah, well, a lot of tiers. Nothing truly, truly standing out. I I will say at quarterback, there are a lot of them. You got the Mahomes-Allen tier. That's one. Then you've got after that Lamar, Kyler, Dak. That's another tier. Then it's like Russell Wilson, Herbert, Rodgers, Brady, Stafford. That's kind of another tier right there. Um, th- then you got Jalen Hurts, Tannehill, and and so on. The the running back tier is is interesting. I mean, there's a couple sub tiers, if you will, but the big tier is the drop off from from the top, basically, and the drop off occurs right around running back 18 or 19. So it's like McCaffrey, Cook, Elliot, Kamara, Henry, Barkley, Aaron Jones, Gibson, Taylor, Eckler, Chubb, Najee Harris, Dobbins, Mixon, Swift, Edwards, Alaire, David Montgomery. Now we're coming to the end of this tier. Miles Sanders, little Chris Carson, so there's a drop off there. These are now, now we're in the fourth round, fifth round. I do love Javante Williams, but after that, I'm not a big Josh Jacobs guy. It, it really does drop off and fall off a cliff. So there's a piece of advice, get into the running back business. I think ideally you get uh, two with your first three picks. Wide receiver is interesting to me because it does feel top heavy. I think it's Tyreek and Devonte Adams. Then there's a drop off even though Diggs uh, balled out, obviously, last year. Then you have the second tier, which is nice, but it's not quite the elite first tier that we're used to. Stephon Diggs, Ridley, Metcalf, Jefferson, DeAndre Hopkins, maybe a little drop-off there, A-Rob, McLaurin, Keenan Allen, C. D. Lamb. thing about wide receiver, though, we can do this all day. Not not that many much in terms of tiers there. It's kind of a lot of sameness. And then finally – tight ends always been, you know, top heavy tier centric, you know, it's, it's Kelsey and it's Waller. That's a tier. Then Kittle's in like his own tier in like the third round. Then you go down a tier to like the fifth six. And this is a good tier, by the way, it's kind of the best of both worlds. You can get really nice players at a little bit of a discount uh, compared to like, you know, obviously Kelsey and Waller. So that third tier would be TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews, then we fall to the fourth tier, and that's where Logan Thomas, Tyler Higby, Dallas Goddard, Noah Fan, a little bit come into play. So uh, there it is, man. I just laid out the whole landscape for you.
2: Oh, I, I, I appreciate that. I'm going to be uh, re- replaying this, taking the notes, and going into this as my, uh, as my, as my draft plan. Um, l- let me uh, – I know I, I want to get you out of here so you can get back to, to, your, to your world. Uh, who's a player you have no interest in? Like, it doesn't matter for you. I mean, obviously, you know, it's everything's relative to the situation. But, like, there's this, like, you know what, I'm not, I'm out. And sometimes it could be a really a top guy you just don't buy, especially for where you have to to buy. Well, who is somebody this year you just add on?
1: Well, we mentioned Eckler. Just not, not. it's not him. It, it's the cost. It's just absolutely uh, prohibitive. Let's see here. Hmm. You know, there are some lower-end guys that, you know, uh, Michael Thomas is is banged up so i have no interest there i'm gonna go at quarterback i'm i'm concerned about Tannehill. And, and full disclosure when everyone thought Tannehill stunk i was that was my guy i was a Tannehill guy and i i always said like he's just got to be in the right environment and you know work off a, a running game and, and all that and that's exactly where it's been but i'm worried there if if julio jones goes down like wow they lost Corey Davis, Johnny Smith, Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator. I'm, I'm a little worried there. By the way, speaking of Julio, no interest, none. I mean, he could, he could do it again. And obviously, he was good when he played last year. It's not that he's done, but the availability or lack thereof is, is certainly uh, a concern there. Uh, so, so he definitely concerns me.
2: And also the and, Derrick Henry factor, right? I mean, that guy's going to get the work. I mean, and you know, he's obviously really good. So, and the plus AJ Brown, I mean, it feels like Julio's opportunities won't be as plentiful as they were when the offense was being focused around him in Atlanta.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I mean, 10 is obviously going to get him the ball, but you know, again, and Julio has just had these soft tissue issues and uh, really concerns me. And um, he's still somewhat costly as like a a fourth or fifth round pick. It's tempting. You see the name. It's like, Oh wow. Julio Jones. Uh, It is a good spot in the regard of a lot of man-to-man coverage uh, as teams try to like load up and and slow down, uh, you know, Derrick Henry, but I'm not feeling it. Oh, by the way, I mentioned Herbert. I, again, I just, I just think he's overvalued Matt Ryan. Forget it. Just, just take someone else. Josh Jacobs, you know, that man has one target in his career on third down that that is absurd so it makes him very game script dependent and uh he also in, just infuriated us on instagram by integ- intimating last year he wasn't playing he was trolling us so we're hurt by that sir don't ever do that again josh jacobs don't bite the hand that feeds you right <laughs> um you know coming you know i'm an ageist at running back all the old guys forget it melvin Gordon, James Conner. You know, I said this last year about Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell and Connor and Melvin Gordon, actually, you know, but they were taking people were taking these guys in the fourth, fifth round. Uh, I asked myself why, why would they do that? And then also the Tampa Bay backfield, forget it, unless they cut Leonard Fournette, because you've got Giovanni Bernard there now. So you can't predict anything there. They'll go with the hot hand. Who knows who's get the goal line work Fournette was being saved by the receiving work, but now Gio's in the mix.
2: Um, sleepers, everybody loves to pick the guy that like, you know, so they can say that they, that, you know, they, they want to act like they're, uh, you know, Christopher Columbus, they discovered player X, uh, somewhere in the later rounds, or, you know, you get him for at the end of an auction, whatever it is. And maybe it's a rookie, maybe it's somebody who's like a backup and you're projecting he'll eventually get in there or whatever it is. Um, wh- who's a, who's a favorite sleeper for you, regardless of the position this year?
1: I think my favorite to narrow it down to one is Darnell Mooney for the Chicago bears, you know, 61 catches last year for a rookie coming out of a pandemic with a bad quarterback situation is not bad at all. 41% of his targets that traveled 15 or more yards down the field were were deemed uncatchable. Um, that, that was, you know, one of the worst rates per sports info solutions out there. We talked to some people on the coaching staff And they they were like kind of off the record, but they were like, yeah, you have no idea how many times on film Darnell Mooney was wide open, uh, you know, got free, beat his man and Nick Foles just couldn't get him the ball. Well, I don't think that's going to be a problem with with Justin Fields and and Mooney's route running has been much improved. They love him. He's really smart. He just kind of rolled out of bed as a rookie and and got it. So, I mean, we have not yet seen the best of this kid. And they, by the way, they need him. They have a very thin receiving core. Once you get past Allen Robinson, you know, little Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet, they just have a bunch of guys otherwise. So he's going to be the shot play guy. Uh, he, he's he's going to be nice. Now, he's not going to be a high volume guy, but again, I, I think you can draft him right around 105, overall 110. And I think he's going to produce like a guy you took in, you know, like the fifties. I saw somebody yesterday compares his route running and his movement to AB. I was like, wow, that's lofty, lofty praise right there.
2: <laughs> that, that is pretty good. As long as he doesn't take away production from David Montgomery, who's my sixth round keeper in my, uh, in my main league. Uh, I, I don't think I have anybody else. So I'm, I'm going with him and hoping he's he, this, this little soreness, whatever, is not a big thing. Uh, <laughs> so, so we're going to hope that works out. Um, last question for you uh terry McLaurin is obviously a tremendous football player for the washington football team and his statistics his first two years are even more impressive when you consider the lack of quarterbacks he's had and the lack of help he's had at other positions around him uh you know his particular, particular receiver but we did talk they've added a bunch of other guys they had curtis samuel they draft deambi brown they sign adam Humphries. gibson could be a more uh, could be better so on the one hand i think terry McLaurin. You know, you could probably talk me in him being a top 10 receiver. On the other hand, oh, and plus they've got Fitzpatrick now. On the other hand, there are more mouths to feed. So, where, like, when you talk about him versus guys like whether it's an Allen Robinson or I don't know, Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper, whoever else you would put in that range, what's your view on Terry McLaurin? How excited are you for him this year? or, Or maybe are you shying away from him?
1: I'm actually, you know, I'm excited. Um, I understand everything you said. Uh, only one ball here. But for him to have such a consistent season as he did last year, considering that quarterback play, it's like, wow. He finished as a wide receiver or two. Wide receiver two or better in seven to 15 games, top 24. That's that's pretty darn good. Uh He had three games where he was held to single-digit points. But, you know, Rams, Steelers, Niners, that was a – pretty tough secondary so Fitzmagic has shown a propensity to obviously feed the ball to his his top guy and I'm sure he's gonna love Terry McLaurin guy it's like, it's like he's 34 years old out there already it's like a coach in a field you're out there all the time right
2: yeah no he Terry Terry is an impressive uh an impressive guy has been from day one and, uh, you know, again, from an NFL perspective, I, you know, he's the kind of guy you want on your team in your locker room, you know, whether he's a true number one receiver relative to historical norms, I will say. But in terms of just a guy who does all the things you want on and off the field, uh, he's he's a tremendous guy. You know, if, if, if you view your fantasy football team as like you want high character guys there. Right. So if, if there's a stat for that in your league for that take McLaurin, yep. He seems like he's gonna he's gonna deliver on, on that front for sure. He's wide
1: receiver nine. By the way, I've had him at wide receiver nine since like May. Uh, he's moved up. Uh, it, it, Once again, it's like, oh, wow. Uh, it's almost go time. This is for real. Uh, we better move Terry McLaurin up our boards. I don't know what we're doing in May, June, July, but he's he's risen just a little bit. But I, I'm still more than fine with it. It's an early pick in round three. I'm, I'm still fine with it.
2: Um, all right. I, I, I like it, uh, John, I really, really appreciate the time. Like I said, I've been reading you for a long time. So this is a, a, a true treat for me. Uh, we mentioned some of your places where people can find you, but where, if they want to, I don't know if they want to get more of your, your fantasy thoughts, what's the best way for people to do that?
1: Well, yeah, you could listen to fantasy football morning on crsxm channel 87, uh, seven to 10 Eastern uh, fantasy underscore guru on Twitter. And then you mentioned the website, uh, fantasy points. And, uh, I can, I can throw out a promo code for anyone interested in, uh, you know, subscribing 21 hands and 10 for your listeners to save a uh, 10% off of that subscription.
2: Awesome. I, I definitely recommend it uh, again, John, really appreciate it. Best of luck. Hopefully Antonio Gibson does you it and does you write. And if he does, then the people who are listening to this podcast will be pretty happy as well. And uh, we'll, 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 we'll go from there. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon.
1: You got it. You got it, Ben. Great to talk with you.
2: All right. Many thanks. To John Hanson for his time. Thanks to everybody here for listening to the podcast. You guys rule. I really appreciate it. Have a great, safe, happy weekend. Um, we will talk um, next week. Cuts. I didn't say it's top, but cuts are coming on the thirty first, so we we need to do that. So we'll have reaction after that. I'll, I'll I'll probably plan to do a podcast after the game, though, just maybe not immediately after the game because it'll be Saturday night and gotta write. But you know, probably sometime on Sunday, I'll figure something out for sure. All right, that's it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time, see ya.